0: You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at SBT Songs, or check us out at chrisblair.com. Hey guys, Chris Blair here with another episode of Stories Behind the Songs and this week I am sitting down with Blake Pintergrass. Blake is from North Carolina and has been in Nashville since 2013 with a very productive 10 years of experience so far in town. Blake's gonna talk about his first connections here in Nashville, which led him to getting his first cut with none other than Morgan Wallen. His breakthrough came with 865, which is track five on Morgan's Dangerous album, which he co-wrote on Zoom during COVID with John Byron. You're gonna hear Blake talk about that song catching Morgan Wallen's attention, which would lead him to his first publishing deal and eight more cuts with Morgan. Blake's writing style resonates with artists like Morgan Wallen, Dustin Lynch, Jake Owen, Chase Rice, Chris Lane. You're gonna hear stories behind several of his cuts for Morgan Wallen, the story behind Key West in Colorado, which is a song he wrote for Chase Rice, and an unreleased song called One of the Ways. Coming up on just three years since his first publishing deal, Blake's gonna discuss the challenges of songwriting in a competitive industry and the dynamics between Nashville's community-oriented culture compared to LA's more strategic approach. We had a great time sitting down with Blake and just learned a ton about where the industry is going and changing from his perspective. Just great episode, I hope you like it. Give Blake a follow. Uh, All the information is down below in our liner notes so you can stay up to date with us here on Stories Behind the Songs podcast Podcast, as well as Blake. We also want to give a special shout out to our sponsors, Sennheiser, Imperfect Esthetician, and All Clear In-Ears. If you're looking for a great set of in-ear monitors, make sure to take advantage of our code SBT Songs at checkout and you'll get 10% off. I use them, I love them, they're amazing. Go check them out. All right, let's get to it. Here is this week's episode with Blake Pintergrass. All right, here we are at the listening room with Blake. How you doing, man?
1: Doing good, man. Thanks doing for uh,
0: thanks for joining us this Thank morning. you for having me. Yeah, yeah man. Absolutely. Um, I know you've got to write today. You write uh, pretty much every day now, right?
2: I do. Yeah, yeah. Five days a week, for the most part. Sometimes out on the road on the weekends and everything too. Yeah, I yeah. love it.
0: We're gonna dive in. You've been in town since 2013. You're from North Carolina. Yes, sir. Take us back. Like, what brought you into music in the first place? How'd you get into it, and then? What uh, what led that love of music get you to Nashville? Definitely,
2: yeah. So I was, originally I just did choir kind of stuff when yeah. I was in high school. That was my first introduction into music at all and never really wrote or anything like that. I was just a singer and the choir teacher's name was Mr. Adams. He always told me I was a good singer. So I leaned into it a lot during high school and everything. And when it came time to co- for college, my my parents were actually the ones that encouraged me to go like chase down music just to see if. If I could make it work kind of thing. So I didn't know how you make money at it or anything like that. So I just I kind of moved here. Um, and the first week I got here, there was a guy I met um named Johnny Diaz, who he was in the Christian music industry at the time and had a number one um, as an artist. It was called More Beautiful You. And so I just I reached out to him and asked him to kind of sit down and talk to him about how he did it. And he kind of walked me through what his journey up to that point had been and how he'd written that song and written hundreds of other ones that nobody had ever heard. And it kind of just opened my eyes to the fact that, like, you don't have to be good at writing songs every time you write a song. It's just you have to get some of them right kind of thing. And he, uh, he really did encourage me to, like, just start down that path and start writing. So I started writing a lot by myself at Belmont University where I went and, um, did that. And, Learned from that community, I guess, how they had kind of risen and met a, met a good close friend named John Byron, who him and I have been writing together ever since, um, every Monday, which is the right I got at 11 with John Byron. So yeah. uh, still doing it, still doing it every Monday and everything with him. And so from there, it's just kind of all gone upwards a little bit. But yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you've been doing it right. So you've, I mean, you've been in town just barely over 10 years. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I mean, you've got, you know, we, we talked about it in the intro before uh, before this started, but you know, you've got like nine cuts by Morgan Wallen. You yeah. got cuts by Jake O Owen, Chase Rice, mm-hmm. Dustin Lynch. Like, just, I mean, you, for the success that you've had in, in a very short amount of time, because everybody says like Nashville's a 10 year town. For sure. Yeah. You know, maybe 20 years ago, they used to say it's five year town, but now yeah. it's just, you know, it's saturated and it's like, yeah. you know, uh, it, what, like, once you got here, like, what started that snowball effect of, you know, all of these cuts that you've got so quickly.
2: Definitely. Yeah. For me, it was a lot of the just like time being here. You know, I mean, me and JB, we wrote so much for so many years before anybody cared about it. We wrote for about seven, eight, seven years before anybody paid attention to it. And I think over that period of time, just from people we were meeting and just like as everybody around us also spent more time here, people just started having more success individually. And that, that network, I guess, became more powerful, you know, so JB, had a guy that he we'd both gone to college with named Mike G and Greco that was the original kind of like finder of me and JB both. He listened to a song that turned into 865 by Morgan. And he was at the time, like he had just gotten to a place at a record label called Big Loud that he was able to kind of make something happen. And so JB had sent him a song or a batch of songs, and that one was in there. And Mike showed it to the record label head Seth England, and who eventually showed it to Morgan. And so that was the real big spark for me and JB both, like, to get our careers going, um, and from there, that song was placed prominently on that, on Dangerous album, like, yeah. it was track five, which, that was, like, a huge blessing when it happened, you know, we, I remember when we got it recorded in general, we were like, oh, it's gonna be, like, the last song on the album, like, we just couldn't believe it, because neither of us had publishing deals or anything at sure. the time, Yeah, and so we were just, we didn't have much expectation, but when it got when it got recorded and put on that album in that place, that really made a big splash in the music industry. I think from like people were just wondering who we were cause nobody had heard our names before. And so at the, after that, we really, I had the opportunity to both sign a deal. So JB signed with big loud. I signed with rakai Marshall. Um, and then from there, our publishers really helped us expand our network and use that, that original cut, that Morgan song to kind of give us give people a reason to write with us, yeah. you know, that we're like the big high up writers and everything just to see what we were, capable of yeah. really. It was just, I think more of out of curiosity, a lot of people were writing with us than anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, it definitely is about the camp, you know, like y- you've got to build your camp in town. Definitely. And, uh, I mean, you've done a great job of that. Let's go back. Let's dive into a little bit more of 865. Yeah. Um, take me into the writer's room. Cause that's a, that's a great song with that being your, you know, your first, uh, your first cut before yeah. even having a pub deal. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how did the idea come about? Like just walk us through it
2: for sure. Yeah. So me and JB wrote that during COVID. Um, so it was just a two-way songwriting session. We we were, like I said, we didn't have publishing deals, but originally that right was supposed to have a published songwriter on it, and we were both like excited about that because that was a huge opportunity at the, at the time, but that person fell off because of COVID, and so me and JB hopped on Zoom. We were both in, he was in an apartment and I was in an apartment. We were just literally in our bedrooms in our apartments, separate apartments, writing on Zoom. Yeah. Um, And the idea originally came, I just was sitting there, I remember it was, I was just sitting there listening to music before the session, trying to prepare for it and everything. And I had heard a song that like discussed, like the concept of it, like underlying was like talking about drinking and like how, like when I drink, it turns into like calling you kind of thing, you know? And so I thought it would be cool to like, just, I just, when I heard that, I was like, it'd be cool to just write a song about like a phone number, you know, and just like to have the number be like the thing that tastes like the alcohol for some reason it made sense and it's kind of like a crooked idea i guess when you really think about it but for some reason it made sense and i just i i brought it into jb and it was originally 919 which is like raleigh north carolina where i'm from was the area code for it and then um we just wrote it you know it was it wasn't some like spectacular oh my gosh we did it kind of moment you know it was like because we didn't have anything going on we were just like two guys trying to write the coolest stuff we could write together um and we weren't even like we weren't trying to write a hit we weren't trying to write anything special we were just hanging out and trying to make the best song we could make that day and yeah. that's kind of how it happened so how'd morgan hear it morgan heard it from mike so mike gene greco sent it to seth england and seth is morgan's uh, manager and like yeah. the label head at big loud and seth i will to this day like he's the person that i think is the most willing to take a shot on people that nobody else has heard of you know and like as two writers that Never had any success. He, he didn't care about that. He just listened to the song. He said, this is a good song and Morgan needs to hear it. And it was regardless of who wrote it. And I still think to this day, that's one of the coolest things that that's that's the core of Nashville, I think, is like being able to show up and like if you got something that's worth noting, then people will notice it. You know, I still believe in that. And yeah. so he he sent it to Morgan and Morgan heard it and loved it and just recorded it, you know, and that's speaks to Morgan, too, to to take a shot on a song that unknown people had written you know yeah. so yeah well
0: he's a great writer himself and i mean like you know he's obviously he's built up uh, an amazing camp around yeah him um with tenpenny and hardy and you know all the guys that he writes with yeah but uh but i think that's what's great about him too is that he's he, he being a great songwriter he knows a great song when he hears it definitely it's just like hey you know um the fact that he doesn't have to be the writer on it for sure yeah that's, that's, that's huge speaks loud yeah
2: absolutely it means i mean I, to me that always represents somebody that's like very serious about their career and is willing to just elevate whatever it takes to elevate they're willing to do and i think that's that's morgan in a nutshell he's always got the ability to like see the bigger picture and do what he needs to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he took it, and then uh, obviously he grew up in East Tennessee, so he changed the area code eight six. That's right. And, yeah, and yeah. it worked
2: out. We always when we wrote it, like again, we had no idea what it would turn into, but we were like, oh, maybe somebody could turn it to six one five because the Nashville area yeah. code. We never <laughs> thought about eight six five when we wrote it. Yeah, I love
0: it. Yeah. Um, let's. You've got an awesome story about another uh, Morgan cut uh, one eighty lifestyle. Yeah. Um, just crazy crazy story that yeah walk walk us through that one
2: that one was fun so uh, it was more chaotic than any other songwriting session that I've ever had so there was on the books it was supposed to be me Ashley Gorley uh, Charlie handsome and rocky block were on the schedule for that day and uh, when we when I showed up at least I showed up I guess a little bit early um, Ernest was in there with Charlie and they were just going through loops going through just beats and stuff like that or or just songs in general and one came on that Ernest started doing just a freestyle rap thing over it, which is kind of his his thing he loves to do. And uh, he started doing what we f- figured out was like an interpolation of a young thug song um, that was called Lifestyle. But he was just doing the flow for it. And we were me and Rocky were just there sitting there trying to kind of like assist in him piecing that together. Because as he's doing it, it's just like he's constantly singing the same melody over and over again over the same like 16 bars or whatever to try and fill it in. And so we were filling it in with words and everything. He finally locked it in. Um, in about like 10 to 15 minutes, we had like a chorus that we were running with. And uh, the Ernest had to leave because he wasn't on the, like he <laughs> he just had to go somewhere. Yeah. I don't know where he went, but he just said, I got to go. You can, you guys can mess with that if you want. And if not, it's totally fine. And so he walks down the stairwell and runs into Ashley Gorley and tells him, he's like, go up there and like, keep working on it. I think it's really good. So Ashley comes in and we like piece together a verse, and a second verse and everything. And at one point Mark Holman came in and everybody was, it was like a six person write technically by the end of it all. Um, And so we finished it and then Charlie built up the track and everything. And Morgan heard it and loved it. Seth heard it and loved it. And we had to get it cleared because it, like I said, it was like using a bit of a young thug song. And so in order to get it cleared, the story I've been told is that the demo with, it was like me singing the verses and Ernest singing the chorus on the demo. And that demo was sent to young thug in jail i believe is what i was told that he was like literally he had to hear the song to clear it and so that's how it apparently happened he heard the demo and said it was all good and the rest is history it's on the morgan album and everything so it <laughs> it kind of that's probably one of the crazier stories for sure that yeah happened from songwriting yeah
0: but. i love it man um what uh what is a favorite song that you've written man. i ask this all the time and i know it's like it's so hard because that's depends on the season or dig your in or whatever but yeah i just i always love to hear like is there is there a, a favorite and does that correlate into something that's been released or something that's still in your back pocket that you play like at writer's rounds here
2: yeah i think there's a, a bit of both to it i think that it's interesting as time goes on like the songs that get released become almost more dear to you just because people like them you know it's like those become so there's definitely like i think like dying man as far as like songs that have been released has been one of my favorites that I've written for sure, just because it feels like it has like an emotion that I'm, it it, cap, it captures an emotion that I'm like glad to have been able to put into words, which is like the kind of the concept of like, I don't know, like I feel like throughout my life I've had like, whether it's my mom or like even my publishers or like strong women are like important in my life. And like, I feel like that song in particular kind of captures that emotion. But as far as unreleased ones, I mean, there's one I used to play a good bit called One of the Ways that I wrote by myself that that one is pretty special to me. Just it's It's been on hold. It's been cut a handful of times by people. It just hasn't made its way out yet. It's one of those that I still believe hopefully will one day. But that one is just kind of like from the the premise of it. I think there's a bit of like, I'm a big faith-based person, you know, like God's important in what I do. And I feel like that one was the one of the times where I really felt like it was just like kind of like God handing me a song and saying, this needs to be said. Mm. And so I think that to me is really special when that kind of thing happens, where you just kind of feel like you're just, you're taking part in something bigger for, and you don't know what the reason is, but you yeah. just kind of like you get something and it kind of comes through you and you're like, okay, well, that wasn't me that did that, you know, but that's, that's the kind of thing that I like the most when I'm doing or That's what keeps me going every yeah, time. But, I love yeah.
0: that, man. I've got a, I've got a song that, uh, is very special to me that I wrote that, is very similar to that. It's like God took the pen that day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what what is that song about? Let's dive into it a little bit.
2: Man, so it's it sounds dark, but it's actually it's interesting. It was it's called One of the Ways and it's the whole premise of it is called it's like that's just one of the ways we remember you. Um and it's like I kind of wrote it, it sounds crazy, but it's like in the creative process, I try to use like imagination quite a bit. And it was almost from the premise of like imagining if I Like if I died young or something like that, I was imagining what I wanted my friends to do in remembrance of me was what I was writing that mm. song from a place of. So it was like the way I was writing that is almost like if, if your friends did this after you died, then that means you lived a life that meant something it was kind of like the whole premise of it. And so it was like the whole the song is kind of like, you know, like we smoke cigarettes in and parking lot of Hardee's and leave an open space at the booth. Just because we it's one of the ways we remember you. And it's like we sit there and cheer for 22 at football games because that was your number, you know, like stuff like that. And so I felt like that was a cool way to almost like explain how to live a meaningful life with like that idea. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome,
0: man. Yeah. Do you want to play a part of it?
2: Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> No, we ain't washing money, but we pop one Miller Lite And pour it in the grass when we get together with the guys And then we raise up all them bottles like we're trying to touch that moon It's just one of the ways we remember you We sit front row on the bleachers at that Millbrook Senior game Every single season, win or lose, shine or rain It's a different kid that wears the jersey, but we cheer for 22 It's just one of the ways we remember you It ain't like we could forget you, but it's better safe than sorry So we peel the tires and drive our Chevrolets like they're Ferraris Then we drive as fast as we can, same way you used to like to. It's just one of the ways we remember you.
0: Mm, Man, it's so good.
2: Yeah, (laughs)
1: that
0: uh, that that hits uh, right now. I I uh, just lost a good friend of mine, man. And um, sorry to hear that. uh, After uh, yeah, I want to keep moving on because I don't want to bring it down, but like. Uh, my best friend that uh, I've known for years. Um, I, I we'll have to talk offline and get mm-hmm. a copy of that because I'd love to play that for my boys. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's a great song, man. Thank you, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Um. All right, let's uh let's go back into some stories. So, um, what about uh you know I mean again you've got so many cuts in such a <laughs> small time. Thank um, you. you know like uh how you know obviously nine with. Morgan, you got, you got a good role going there. And like, once you have a good couple yeah. in the industry with an artist, you know, they're more open to seeing that. So, For sure. um, but you know, also like with, with Chase and Jake yeah. and like, you know, the other doors that opened up, yeah. um, was that all through the publisher? It was.
2: So the Morgan stuff and the, the, um, that was a lot because of my publisher and JB and big loud. They all kind of like, once that's eight, six, five song happened, everybody kind of like Big lots of family, you know, and yeah. like I was welcomed into that family for sure. Um, and so that's definitely been a, as a result of my publisher and JB and everybody. Mike G too. Um, the other stuff too. Chase was because of Rakai. Rakai set up that right with Chase Rice originally. Yep. Um, and I think at that time Chase was just looking for, looking to kind of take it his stuff in a different direction. And me and JB wrote with him the first time we wrote a song that's called Always Tomorrow that has never come out, but he uh. I think he just, when we wrote the first time, he really, he trusted us that like after that, right? He was like, these guys could help me get where I want to go with the new stuff I want to do. And so Chase just took us on a, a bunch of retreats and trips and stuff and has been an awesome friend and buddy since then. Just, yeah. from, we, we just clicked whenever we wrote and everything. And so, and same with, same with Morgan, you know, I think that the Morgan thing has definitely been helped by the publisher and the family aspect of Big Loud, but the also, I think, at the end of the day, I think the songs that I truly love to write and that I think are the best songs that I write fit very well with what Morgan likes to do, yeah. you know? And so I think it's just, like, this kind of, like, symbiotic thing where you're just, like, everybody sees eye-to-eye on stuff. And so, yeah. like, if I write a great song, Morgan's typically, like, also agrees that it's, like, good. And, like, I think just because we see – we what we think is good is the same, I yeah. guess, you know? Yeah. that's, yeah. that's similar a bad thing, dude. Yeah, it's great, you know? And he's been <laughs> – Such a good buddy to to me and JB and everybody. I mean, that whole company, everybody involved in it is all they've taken us under their their wings and made it a lot of things happen for us. So yeah. Yeah.
0: What is your uh what's your writing process? Are you more of a lyric guy or a melody?
2: Definitely. Yeah. I started more as a lyric guy, I would say for sure. Like lyrics, and I still think to this day, like lyrics are what inspires me originally. So like if I if I think of a phrase or a turn of phrase that's what really gets the wheels turning in my head. But as time has gone on, I've definitely tried to become more of a Swiss army knife, I guess in the, in the writing room, you know, it's like like to be able to just say like, okay, I'm with this person, this person, and this person, they're good at this, they're good at this. I need to fill in the gaps and like, or sometimes take the range, you know, it's like, so it just depends. I want to be able to, my goal is to be able to go into any writing room and be able to like, make sure that it goes as efficiently as it could with the people that are in it. And so, But I definitely do lean towards more towards lyric, but I definitely think melody has grown a little bit too, Um, primarily just because I I learned how to do tracks before I got signed. Me and JB did just because we were trying to make ourselves more again like more marketable and everything, and so that really unlocked a lot of melody writing in my brain because you're just sitting there playing instruments and you're just thinking of melodies. Yeah, and so that was really a big turning point for melody, but lyrics are still my core. For
0: dive dive into that a little bit for everybody listening out there because we you know we. We've been doing this podcast for almost a year now and yeah. I love diving into the stories behind the songs and yeah. like, you know, all the, the, you know, how everybody got into it mm-hmm. and all of that. There's not been a lot of conversation that I can remember about, um, you know, just beats. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, now like over the last several years mm-hmm. as as Nashville writers have evolved and all of that and yeah. the young guys are coming in with their new styles and all of that. That's a big part of it 100%. where, where yeah. uh you know, a lot of the track guys and the beat guys are in the room. Mm-hmm. So can you, can you dive in from your perspective for everybody listening out there yeah. and just ex- explain what that even is?
2: For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, in my experience, it's been typically like the the killer combination of people in a writing room for my situation is if there's an artist, that's great. And then there's me who would be like a top liner technically, which is lyric and melody based. And then you got a producer, somebody that's building out a musical bed that you can kind of right over top of um and so sometimes they've already got a track that's ready to go that you can kind of just get inspiration from sometimes it's just a guitar part that's like a loop i mean it's just a whole different thing and the whole key of that is just something that's inspiring and something that gets the ball rolling or can set the tone for like if you want it to sound up tempo like they've got something that's ready to rip on that and so that's very helpful in that way and it also i think originally it started financially was really a big piece of it i think Mm -hmm. his publishers looked at it from like a demo perspective they didn't have to pay for a demo they could just have a guy that built it as a part of the right and i think that made sense for them but yeah nowadays it's like it's a essential part of it i feel like a lot of times i mean it's rare that people will just write with guitars but i still like to do that that way because in the same kind of scenario is like one of the ways where it's like kind of like a god thing i feel like if you just are quiet my process writing wise in its best form is when i'm able to just sit there and kind of be still and like hear things that kind of come out of the like i don't know i guess it's just it feels like it's from god you know and so like that isn't as possible when there's a track rolling but sometimes it is still too but like my best songs i think come a lot of the times from still just a guitar and two other people with guitars you know yeah but and then you can build the track afterwards so that's why me and jb learned to do it that way because we were broke didn't have enough money to pay for a demo (laughs) session so we were just like all right well we got to learn how to do this and it Yeah, so, but a lot of people that are coming up, I think, know how to do it nowadays, which is cool, too. Yeah. So This episode is brought
0: to you by Brit Skin Beauty. Located in the beautiful Indulgence Medi Spa in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, Brittany is the go-to esthetician for facials, dermaplaning, microdermabrasion, waxing, lashes, and any skincare products and consultations. So many people in the music industry use her frequently, and her work speaks for itself. To schedule your next consultation or make an appointment, visit BritSkinBeauty.com or send an email to BritSkinBeauty at gmail.com. I mean, definitely. If you've got a producer in there that's, uh, you know, going to be a, a writer on the song, yeah, then, um, good, good, uh, good tracks come out of that. Definitely. So, yeah.
2: and, I mean, it's uncanny how good some of those guys are. I mean, they're just making tracks that sound like they're ready to be on the radio, yeah. like in t- like two and a half hours. You know, yeah. and it's just amazing how fast some of those guys are and how talented a lot of them are too.
0: Yeah, you can liter- literally leave a uh, a room, yeah, uh, and by the time you. Go grab lunch and get back home. You've yeah. got in your in in your inbox. You've got like Full a blown track. basically yeah. yeah something that could go to radio. hundred percent. Yeah. 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 It still it still blows my mind. I mean, I'm still old school. I go into a room with uh a, a, most of the time it's just a couple of guitars. Definitely. Yeah. And then um you know AJ Cross I write with a lot. Nice. Uh He'll bring in some track guys sometimes. Yeah. Uh, which which makes it fun. But Absolutely. um yeah yeah it's just it's it's a very cool process.
2: So. Absolutely, man. Yeah.
0: Um. All right, let's let's go. Let's get back into some stories, because I, uh, you know, hearing you play here, there's a couple of songs that uh, I know you love to play, and I want to dive into another Morgan song. Let's talk about Sunrise.
2: Sunrise. Yeah, that one's a good one, man. So that was me and JB again, same person that I wrote with eight six five with. That was in the window of time. So as You know, I mean, like every artist kind of has a period of time leading up to where they're recording music that they're listening to songs and trying to find the best ones. And so Morgan was in that phase of just like sifting through things. And so that's a good time for us. That was a good time for us to start writing a bunch of songs for him. And so me and JB, like that was our target. Like when we were writing Sunrise, we were like, we've got a like window opportunity. Let's see if we can write one for him. And so I had the idea. I actually threw it out the day that we wrote Lifestyle. Uh, oh, okay. I like cuz we were sitting there when Ernest was before he locked into that. I was like, I got this cool idea. I think it could be called Sunrise. And the whole idea is just like it's just a metaphor. Like sunrise you keep coming up. That's it. That was all I had like a and I had a little bit of a melody and everything. Um but everybody kind of was just like brushed it off in that room which was fine and I whenever somebody does that I I always take it as like okay, this is in the right room. I'm just going to find Right. I I'm not willing to say that that's like a bad idea until I've done that a lot and yeah. then everybody says <laughs> yeah. it sucks. Yeah. Um but that one particularly I had a write with JB coming up the next like Monday or whatever it was. And so I just told him about it. I was like, I think this could be really cool. And I I was just like, I think it goes like this, think this is what we do. And we had that I had that like one lick that's in there. There's I can't I don't know if I can play it. It's probably at this point. I'm trying to remember what it even sounds like. But like the whole idea was just like that one. Like And that was kind of an inspiration. Charlie Who we've, I write with a lot now. Like Charlie's a melodic guitar player and he's very like, he's, he's the same guy that wrote like last night. He's written most of Morgan's hits. Um, he, he plays guitar in a way that it's like, it's almost like an, an additional hook, an additional melody that you're going to get for free in the guitar part. And so that was like, I was sitting down. I was like, let's try and do that. Let's try to find something that's like really cool melodic and everything that we can have as the foundation. So we just played that loop lick and then looped it and wrote that song i remember we we finished like a verse chorus and me and jb are just buddies so it's like it doesn't have to we don't have to finish the song or anything like typically like if if we don't and it's good then we're just going to call each other on the phone or finish it somehow and so that one in particular we got a verse chorus and jb thinks it's the one of the best stories it, it's a good one because like we he called me up when we were finishing him he was chaining his oil on his truck like <laughs> underneath his truck literally like he's on his phone with his dad and we were going back and forth on the second verse, how to do it. And like, literally, I think I was just driving down the road and like he was under his truck fixing his oil and stuff. And that's when we finished the second verse on it and everything. And then after that, we just sang a vocal on it and sent it in. And it literally, that one was like, wrote it. And about three weeks later, it was recorded because that was that window of time. Like we timed it right and everything. So Man, it worked out well.
0: That's, that's two songs now that uh, you've basically written or finished on the on the phone right? Like that that you've told me about like the zoom and then that yeah um which is which is pretty cool that doesn't happen a lot i mean um have you have you done that a lot
2: yeah i would say so i mean it's it's just one of those things that sometimes you get just so it's hard to get people in the same place consistently to come back to something and so like if it's like a time crunch like that was we knew that it was there were specific dates on the calendar that morgan needed songs or he was going to record songs and we were like we got to get it done, and so like, it was just like I don't remember what time of day it was. It could have been a weekend, who knows? We just like, I just remember. I think it was whenever one of us had the inspiration for whatever the second verse could be. We just called each other and we were like, "Hey, this is what I think we could do." And then we pieced it together. Like, and it doesn't take long when you do it that way. Like, it's it takes. You're usually generally speaking trying to get off the phone, you know. So you're like, okay, well, what if we did it this way? And then you you ramp it up and do it quick, which is it's kind of a fun way to do it. I've done that with like. I mean, even people like Ashley Gorley and I have done that together on the phone. Where you, we've written a whole song on the phone just because it's like he'll he'll say like I got an idea for whatever, and then you just you just try, <laughs> and you, it's it's like fast. It usually is like a twenty to thirty minute thing, and you're not even holding a guitar or like doing. You're just talking about lyrics and saying like da 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 da, like you're just singing random melodies. Yeah, but it ends up working out a lot of the time. I love
0: it, man. Your publisher uh, did that with a huge smash. Yeah. Uh, Craig Wiseman.
2: That's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I heard this was years ago, but I heard the story. I can't, I can't remember if he told me or Tim Nichols, but, uh, what, you know, they, the story about, uh, live like you were dying. Oh yeah. Where they were, Craig and Tim were on the phone. Really? Both of them at night laying on, uh, laying on the floor because they had, they both had like old school, like phones with cords wow. like no cell awesome. phones right like and huh. they're laying on the phone or laying on the floor and uh and and wrote that that song i think it, i think maybe they started it earlier in the uh-huh. day or something like that and yeah. one of them had to go and wow but they yeah they finished live I didn't like you were dying on the floor asking about it that yeah. makes sense you yeah. know i
2: mean it's i i would have never guessed that though that's amazing yeah
1: yeah
0: um man that's that's cool so um what let's let's talk about just the industry as a whole yeah. for a minute because um, you've been in town long enough to kind of see things change and yeah you know um, g- kind of go through the cycle like what would you say uh, for you the biggest challenges right now in in country music
2: man I think for me I've had to get used to like I mean I've been published now literally today I think is like the three-year anniversary of me signing my first publishing deal you know and so like and since then I've had like a lot of good success and everything I think I've had to get used to the idea of like there comes a point where you're a writer and instead of having things to kind of gain inspiration from that are coming out you're writing the things that are coming out and so like that has been a flip for me to be able to like instead of like to instead of like saying oh they went here you can take this next level it's almost saying like okay well where do we want to go from where do I just decide that we the songwriting world could go because yeah. I'm kind of like in a position where I can now just write stuff that I want to write, and hopefully it comes out and everything. But that's a different thing. It's there's a little bit less inspiration um, to gain from because I'm, I guess, as you write more songs, you're, it's hard to be inspired by yourself. You know, mm. like it's better, to, it's easier to be inspired by other people. Um, so that's one thing. Is the industry as a whole? I mean, the challenging things a lot of the time I think are just the same. The competitiveness of it all, you know, and like the campiness. I think there's there's a lot of that, but it's also like, I think there's a bit of more of like, uh, LA presence in Nashville now, which is like, it's, it's kind of like, it's changing a little bit of the way that people are interacting. Um, and I think that in what way, what do you mean? I think that like, I think that Nashville's a bit more like communal, um, in the sense of like, it's like your crew of people. Yep. And I think that there's, like, a L.A. M- model, which is great. I think it's, a- it's an awesome thing. But it's a little bit more, like, strategic and, like, it's not, like, bring everybody up. It's more of, like, we can do this and write hits here. And, like, it's more strategic and targeted like that, which is interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that changes the Nashville culture as it becomes more prominent. Because country as a genre and as a format, I think, is getting more popular. And so as that happens, more people want to be involved in it, you know? Yeah. And so I think that over time, I th- I hope that the family aspect of, like, all of the companies and everything stays the same and it doesn't get diluted with like just like success at all costs you know and so i think that i think that's an important thing to remember is that like there's more to it than just success i guess and yeah. the, the uh yeah so i think that's that's probably one of the challenges is just maintaining that culture that Nashville's built on
0: yeah that's interesting i, I and i agree i mean I, I think that's that's one of the things that hit me the most when i first moved here mm-hmm. is um you know just there's there's still that competitiveness right like you still want to you want a number one and you yeah. want like you know and if you like you don't have a number one and your best friend has a number one it's like yeah dang man I want that you yeah. know but but at the same time like you're giving you're giving him a hug and right. like dude great job Absolutely. you know it's like and it's very it's very rare like you know it's uh, we've both been here for a long time you a little over 10 me a little over 20 yeah. like you know it's you kind of like, I think at least for me, like after being here for so long, you kind of start to take that for granted. Absolutely, because it is just a culture here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but but you go outside of Nashville, and yeah, you're right. It's it's a lot different in yeah. other markets: mm-hmm. L. A., Austin, New York, like yeah. um, where it's it's uh, more campy and um, you know, kind of out for your own. Yeah, yeah. Thing, and so. it, I
2: think that that makes sense when like my experience with like the. LA world and people from there. It makes sense why that is that way, because it's a little bit like people do. You kind of have to like hold on to what you have and like take, you can't like just be as generous. It seems like in that world, which I think there's a, I don't know how Nashville was built on that, where it's like built on a community and how it's lasted as long as it has. But that's just one of those things that from like a purist songwriter standpoint, I hope that never changes in Nashville because I think talking about like people like Craig Wiseman and those guys, like I think that, culture has been there since them since before them for sure it's almost been just like it's bigger than any of us individually as songwriters you know that culture is and so i think that that is that's one of those things i hope never changes yeah yeah i do
0: too you know it's it's there's so many people coming here from california but we're also seeing like shane McAnally and like you know guys like that that are salt of the earth like great songwriters definitely great producers um but also very humble and Absolutely. like and and you know, kind of like live that that feeling of community like we yeah. have here in Nashville that are moving to California. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and uh take so it'll it'll yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Nashville yeah. in the next five to ten years. Yeah. As well as like what happens in LA is like more people are, you know, like going out there too. For sure. So, yeah. It's, yeah it's, for sure. It's I think uh, it's
2: I think it's a cool like one of the things I've noticed, like there's one, like, Charlie is a good example. Charlie's got his hand in so many different genres and everything, and he's got, a like, a pretty good model of it all. He, he's, like, if he's doing rap stuff, he he runs his sessions and stuff by rap rules. If he's doing it pop session, then he'll... It's, like, there's different business practices, too, that come along with, like, each different world. You know, like, in Nashville, we split up songs equally no matter who writes what. Right. In like, LA, they do it a bit more like, this, I contributed this, you contributed this, this is what the splits are, you know? And, like, I think that... It's almost just like a if I if I go to LA, I'm gonna write by LA rules. You know, it's like it's like it just goes back and forth yeah. like that. I think that's like a somewhat important thing to just respect the the difference the differences that we have and, and glean what the, the benefits of each of them are, you know?
0: Yeah, respect. I love that. Yeah that's a great way to put it. Yeah. 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 Um all right. I think we've got time for uh to probably dive into one more song. Yeah. Uh so uh man, you pick. You've got so many. Um man ain't that some or you know get get off of morgan and get you know hit hit another one what what do you think has a great story that you can walk us through and then play a little bit of it
2: uh i think one of another great stories i have that is off of the morgan thing but there's key west in colorado is a chase rice song that i wrote yeah and that is another one where it's it's just unconventional where you wrote it and like we were it was me jb hunter phelps and cory crowder and uh chase and brian kelly are all on that song six yeah, people yeah a lot of people and the everybody besides it was like pretty much just a retreat we were going down in greaton beach yeah and the whole premise of it was just having a good time at the beach and writing songs at the same time and so the one day in particular bk brian kelly just asked us to come out on his boat and hang out And we weren't planning on writing when we were there we just we just were gonna go out on the boat and have fun yeah And when we got out, we went to a place called Crab Island, which is like a sandbar in the middle of the ocean. And so we're sitting there and probably like 30 minutes into the whole time out there, this just starts thunderstorming like crazy and just pouring down rain. And so we can't do anything besides like sit and wait for the storm to pass. And so everybody's like, well, why don't we just try and write a song? And so like we pull out guitars and Chase had, I think, read in BK had this like journal or something that Chase had, like, read accidentally. It was, like, sitting on his, like, kitchen counter.
0: How do you accidentally read a journal? It was on
2: his, like, kitchen counter, and, like, (laughs) Chase thought it was, like, a song idea, but, like, he was just looking at it. I love
0: this, dude. And I
2: think it had, like, something about Key West in it or something. Yeah. And that, I think that was the premise of, like, how that whole thing started, and, like, we just wrote a story. Like, Chase had just done, like, a whole trip from Key West to Colorado, and, like, it, we just kind of drafted off of Chase's life, like, the idea of, like, how he just goes all the way around and, like, travels around. And, like, so we sat there in the thunderstorm on a boat. Like, the voice memo of it's literally got rain pouring down in the background and, like, us just singing. And, like, with one guitar and we just wrote that song. And so, like, that song was not, like, a radio hit or anything or, like, a big, huge, like, not as many people know that one, but that one is definitely, like, a one of the best stories that wow. we have. Because, I mean, we just... Again, it's just people having fun, and then songs happen, you know. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let's hear part of it.
2: Yeah, let's see.
1: That one is way up here, capo
0: wise. <laughs> Do you want me to add some rain effects while you're playing? Yeah, here we go.
1: Had <laughs> a guy named Tony down in San Antonio said the best kind of love is like a rodeo. When you get bucked off, you climb back on. Keep jukebox spinning like a country song. Rolled into Missoula, where nobody knew you. Met a brand new girl, but I swore I was talking to you. So I hit the coast and I blew some smoke. Found a brand new way to say adios. Somewhere between Key West and Colorado, I found God in a gold Silverado. Had to get a little lost. Get a little found, learned you can't find love if you can't slow down. Somewhere between that sand and the snow, salt in the air and salt on the road, I finally let myself let her go. Somewhere between Key West and Colorado. Yeah, man. <laughs> love it, dude. Yeah.
0: Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, as we wrap up, I always end with the same question. Okay. So uh, let's go back to eight-year-old Blake in North Carolina. Yeah. Now, everything that you've learned from being here and uh, all the cuts, uh-huh. if you're able to go back uh, to eight-year-old self, what advice do you give yourself today?
2: Man, eight-year-old me. I think that the advice would be to focus on the things outside of the music more than the music. Cause like those things I think ultimately both lead to success in music and also give you the fulfillment from the music as you're going along the journey. You know, I think that like finding the friends that you like truly believe in and you want to succeed with and doing things like that is more that's more that's I think when I'm eighty five years old, speaking to eighty five year old Blake, I think that's what he's gonna look back and be proud of. You know, and so I think telling the eight year old me to just Chase the things that matter more than all of the the glory, you know, and not just number ones and like all the metrics that I mean. I think we get all tangled up with as songwriters and then people in professional worlds in general. I think that stuff can get blinding to an extent. Distractions, distractions from the yeah, from the opportunities to see what else you got, you know, and like that stuff's more important at the end of the day.
0: I love it, man. Yeah, we'll keep uh keep doing that. Yeah, keep building that friendship uh, because. you're you're doing it right, man.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for uh for being here. And uh we're we're excited to always have you play here at the the listening room stage. Thanks for having
2: me all the time. Yeah.
0: We'll keep uh we'll keep watching the success and have you back on this podcast. So, I appreciate it. Some point down the road. Thank you, Chris. All right. Yeah. Thank you everybody for listening out there. We will put some liner notes in on how you can follow Blake. Uh and uh yeah, just keep uh keep spreading the word. We appreciate it. We've been doing this for almost a year, y'all. Almost a year. I can't believe it. Um, So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. We appreciate you all. This has been another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Blake Pintergrass. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify if you enjoyed this episode and make sure you click that notification button so you can keep notified when new episodes come out. We release brand new episodes every Tuesday and you can find us on YouTube at Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to send us a comment letting us know what you thought of the episodes. We love getting your feedback and share this with your friends. The more we grow, the more that we can keep doing this. It's our mission to bring you all of these great stories behind the songs from some of Nashville's most iconic artists and songwriters, publishers, producers, everyone in between, and a lot of my great friends. We love what we do and we love sharing their stories with you. We appreciate all of the continued support. Thanks also to all of our sponsors and we will see you all next week.